I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing. We're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. Hey, it's Rip Esselstyn. If you're jumping in midstream into the podcast, I would encourage you, go back to episode one where we meet Joe Inga. And this way, chronologically, it will have a much better flow and make more sense. I mean, I never have a good night in the firehouse. You're not resting well there. You're yeah. always on edge. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, I'm a little tired. <laughs> <laughs> so trying to get a good night's sleep at the firehouse is virtually impossible. The alarm is going off anywhere between three to six times between midnight and 7 a.m. The guys are laughing, snoring, throwing pillows at each other. Your mind is, it's really hard to quiet your mind because you never know when the tone is going to go off and what you're going to have, uh, whether it's a medical emergency, whether it is a high rise that's a you know a barn burner of a fire. So sleeping at the firehouse... It's like trying to do your homework at a rock concert. I've been sleeping better when I do sleep, but like I said, I've been working like crazy the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I haven't been on my 24-hour schedule. I've been on like four shifts and then overtime and stuff like that. So it's been a little chaotic. That's one of the things that's difficult, uh, as you know, with uh, being a fireman is there's no consistent sleep. You know, you come home, sometimes you you don't end up sleeping very well or you don't get any sleep at work and now you're in a deficit and it takes a couple of days to recoup. Sleep is, it's crucial for, for brain health. And for many of us in, in America in, in 2019, with all the distractions, the white noise and everything, it's very elusive and it's hard to come by but it's vital for protecting our minds. The people that have the most definitive research really on the planet 
have become good friends of mine, Dean and Aisha Shurzai from Loma Linda, and um, they've got the hard science on how we can all treat and even avoid Alzheimer's. And I'll bet you anything that these guys can help Joe out. I'm Rip Esselstyn. I am the founder of Engine 2, and I am going to be working with Joe Inga. He's an amazing firefighter, father. He's just a really amazing human being. And we're going to go on an amazing journey and witness Joe transform before our very eyes from somebody whose health has spiraled out of control to somebody that is going to take back his health. And what I've done in order to take Joe on this journey is I've marshaled together some of the most amazing doctors, inspirational leaders to help work with Joe and possibly yourself. Listen in as Joe is absolutely transformed from a couch potato to a veritable sweet potato triathlete in less than six months. Episode after episode, Joe gains momentum and confidence and all the tools and tricks to what it means to become a plant strong man. I can't wait to have you listen in on this journey. Welcome to Plant Strong. One of the things that we, we know, especially from the amazing research from Dean and Aisha Shirzai with Brain Health, is that it's really imperative that we do our best to get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. I visited the Shirzais at their home in Redondo Beach, and we talked about brain health, why sleep is so crucial to rescue our brains, and how they could best help Joe. I'm Aisha Shirzai. I'm a neurologist and co-director of the Brain Health and Alzheimer's Prevention Program at Loma Linda University. And I'm privileged to be here with you, Rip. I am Dean Shirzai, the co-director of Brain Health and Alzheimer's Prevention Program in Loma Linda University. And again, we're so privileged to be part of this uh, journey with you. When you say brain health, I know it's like dementia, Parkinson's, and then stroke, but is Alzheimer's a a subset of dementia? It is. Uh, dementia is the umbrella category. And by definition, dementia is whenever you have enough cognitive decline where you can't do one of your daily activities, such as driving or finances or taking care of your medication, by definition, it's dementia. I mean, I'm not talking short term, long term. But Alzheimer's is the biggest category. 60 to 70% of all dementias is Alzheimer's. So in, in kind of doing my research, what I discovered, especially in reading your amazing book, The Alzheimer's Solution, is that every chronic disease out there is kind of plateauing or on the decline, whereas the one that is going up like a, an absolute you know, arrow is Alzheimer's. In your book, you mention how in the last decade, it's increased almost 87%. And then also that in 2016, that it was the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. I mean, these are alarming statistics. It is. It is. It's 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 quite scary. And um, um, obviously, we're aging as a society. We're getting older and older. And there are treatments, um, symptomatic and disease-modifying treatments for you know all the other diseases now. People take medication for blood pressure or for diabetes, so they're surviving these diseases. They're not thriving, mm -mm. they're sick. 
but they're surviving them. But the one disease that is just devastating has been Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, since we wrote the book, the numbers have climbed even more. Mortality or death due to Alzheimer's disease in the last 15 years has climbed to 123%. No matter what your political proclivities are, um, no matter what your affiliation is with any organization, we all need to be concerned about this disease because it's going to hit us like a tsunami very mm -hmm. soon. And then you guys have the unmitigated tenacity to try and tell the medical establishment and, and us in your book that 90% of Alzheimer's can be prevented, right? I mean, that, that, that seems kind of like uh, utterly amazing. Is that, is that in fact the case? So the numbers are coming to us from uh, the genetic studies. With the new techniques such as GWAS or genome-wide analysis, we know that uh, we've identified about, about 25 to 30 genes that have been associated with Alzheimer's. Of those, 3% are the kind of genes that what we call high penetrance, meaning that if you have the gene, you're gonna get the disease. But the majority of chronic diseases of aging, the genes determine the range, and lifestyle determines within that range how far or how close you are to getting the disease. For Alzheimer's, 3%, presenilin-1, presenilin-2, and APP, these three genes, if you have them, you're going to get the disease before the age of 65 to 70. That only constitutes 3% of Alzheimer's. These other genes are not Alzheimer's genes. They're vascular response genes, immune response genes, garbage disposal genes. That should be a clue. If you have bad genes for those things, that means don't do the kind of activities that challenge your vascular response, challenge your immune response, challenge your garbage disposal, waste removal. And if you have good genes, then you can do a little more, but still you're at risk. So I tell people, assume you have bad genes and live in a way where you reduce your vascular risk. What is that? Your uh, immune response and garbage disposal. And the things we found, the four things that we found that affect those the most, nutrition, exercise, stress or stress reduction and sleep and if you take care of those four things plus the one other that doesn't affect those but it's incredible mm -hmm. mental activity mm -hmm. 90 percent of alzheimer's can be pushed back that's remarkable we're working with mm -hmm. uh, in new york city his name is joe inga mm -hmm. and uh, joe's climbing on board this whole food plant-based lifestyle he's trying to turn his health around but he's up five to six times a night between right. midnight and seven. He's got a young kid at home, mm. six month old, and then I think also a two year old. Is there any way, if you are sleep deprived, that you can recover from that? It's important for Joe to know that he can't really continue that kind of lifestyle yeah. for long. Um, there've been studies that have showed that people who are shift workers, you know, who are up at night and they're sleeping at day or they have interrupted sleep, if it becomes chronic and if it's long-term, it significantly damages the brain. And so for a short period of time because of work or any, you know, other responsibilities of fine, the brain is able to repair itself. We need consistent sleep, at least seven to eight hours of sleep every night, each one of us, because sleep, it has two purposes, two main purposes. The first one is memory consolidation. So all the information that we get from our environment every single day 
it actually goes into the right file folder and cabinet in our brain. So it's easier for us to retrieve it the next day. That happens when we have an intact sleep architecture. We have to go through each stage. And when we don't, that process gets disrupted. And there've been studies when people don't sleep well, they actually score less in their tests the next day, even though they prepared very well for it. Even one night of sleep deprivation raises the level of beta amyloid protein, which is the bad protein associated with Alzheimer's disease in the cerebrospinal fluid. One night of bad sleep does that. Raises it. It but, raises it. But does that it. mean it's actually depositing it? Yeah. So and the body is actually not able to get rid of it. We're supposed to get rid of it. But when we don't get a good night's sleep, it's interrupted. Our body doesn't get rid of it, which brings us to the second function of sleep which is getting rid of waste products. So we have these cells that are called janitor cells and they get activated when we sleep. The function of these janitor cells are to go and get rid of the broken parts of the brain. You know, after so much function, there's always a broken part. It gets rid of it. It cleanses the brain in, in, in many words. This janitor cell or microglia, it goes completely haywire when we don't get enough sleep. And instead of getting rid of the junk and the broken parts, it starts eating away at the healthy parts. And that's why when people don't have a consistently good sleep pattern, they have smaller brains, shrunken brains in MRI studies. When we say this, people usually say, well, what do I do? Do I take medication? Medication is usually good in short term quick fix but long term it always has to be mm. lifestyle it has to be cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy it has to be sleep hygiene and there's so much we could probably yeah, talk no, for two hours about sleep hygiene you're right so we've talked about janitor cells and garbage disposal cells and sleep hygiene and i think it's important that we now define these terms so when we're talking about janitor cells we're talking about cells that just like a janitor right are basically sweeping up and cleaning up the, the mess that has been made during the day. The garbage disposal cells are very similar, and what they do is they basically get rid of the unwanted uh, and unfettered cells that we have accumulated over the course of the day as well. When we're talking about sleep hygiene, what the Surzai's are talking about here is what is the condition and the surroundings of your sleep environment. These are things that we all can control and they need to be consistent night after night. These are things like the temperature of your room. What are you wearing or not wearing to bed? What kind of sheets uh, are you sleeping in? Are they old sheets, new sheets, 100% satin, cotton, etc.? And then of course, white noise. Do we wanna have white noise in the background to kind of soothe out any potential distractions and noises, and then darkness. Is it pitch black? Do we like to have a little light? What is our preferences there? I'm yeah. telling you, for me, the pillow is so paramount to me getting a, a good sleep. But I'm also an absolute prin a, a princess in the bedroom. I mean, I've got to have complete and utter darkness. It's so dark <laughs> that you can't see your hand in front of your, oh, your, your face. Absolutely. I have to have sheets that have to be changed every three to four days. They have to be like, you know, silky smooth. Got to have the white noise maker on. Okay. Right? Great. I love the white noise maker yeah. on. It helps a lot. And, uh, and the temperature has to be turned down preferably. I yeah. love 60. Yes. 
if possible. I, I burn hot at night, yes. right? Yes. I, I, know, I know you do too. Absolutely, <laughs> uh, you're absolutely, and the pillow, you're right, we've actually uh, talked about this. Um, uh, as you get older, one of the, um, uh, as far as spine is concerned, the neck is most affected as we get older. So there has to be a pillow that actually contours to the, to the neck. Again, when you're young, I remember you know, going to these field trips, I would sleep on a rock, <laughs> didn't matter. Now, if the pillow is not right, yeah, I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sensitive as well. Way more than Aisha is. But yeah. then, She's a princess too. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But the thing about pills, because I know so many people that are on you know, Ambient or something like that, it doesn't allow you to actually go through that full cycle. Correct. The most important part of sleep is going through a cycle several times a night and going through it properly. And sleep medications, almost all of them affect those cycles. So you might be sleeping, but you're not consolidating memory. You're not cleaning the brain. You're not detoxifying the brain. Sometimes it's necessary just to break the process of sleep, sleep deprivation, but it cannot be long-term. And the other side of the coin is that you can almost get everybody to have good sleep pattern over time, over months, six months, seven months, but they have to go through this hygiene and the cognitive behavioral therapy. The problem is we are all immediate seekers and doctors don't help that. Because when we go through four years of college, four years of medical school, four years of residency and fellowship and everything, we come out almost with a sense of urgency or uh, pressure on us that we, whenever somebody comes into the room, I have to give them a pill to reverse something mm -hmm. immediately. And all those pills have side effects. And we act as though these pills are supposed to be with you for the rest of your life. In fact, one of the problem is doctors don't strategize to get people off pills. That should be the goal. Mm -hmm. And what we say is our job is to get you off pills. Bravo. Pills short term, long term, it has to be the more difficult job of sleep hygiene and cognitive behavioral therapy, which almost always works. Well, if sleeping pills aren't the answer and it's almost impossible to change your schedule like it is for Joe, I mean, What's a, what's a guy like Joe to do to get a better night's sleep and keep his brain healthy uh, using the sleep therapy and the cognitive therapy you're talking about? We have to first understand all the elements that go into his sleep deprivation, but one of the first things you can do is create a pattern. Pattern is critical. You go to bed the same time, you wake up the same time. It's okay if it's altered over eight hours later, you wake up, and even if you didn't get any sleep that night, don't take a nap. Don't take a nap because that forces you the next night to go back to the cycle. It might not happen that next night or the following night, but everybody eventually falls into cycle. So pattern is critical. The second thing people can do as far as improving sleep is to figure out what is affecting their sleep. Three things. Nutrition affects sleep or food for good and bad. Environment affects sleep, good or bad. And behavior. So behavior, one of them we talked about, going to bed at the same time. Another thing about behavior is things like light, with computers, with phones, uh, having the TV on until the last second. All those things turn on your circadian club, which actually affects sleep. So eliminate as much of those visual distractors as possible before sleep and do meditation or whatever needs to be done to kind of calm you down. It really helps. The environmental things, do matter, especially as you get older. When you're young like you, Rip, you know, you go to bed and you're out. But most people as they get older, several of the phases of sleep are altered, especially the first phase. Going to sleep is affected. It's important to change light, reduce light as much as possible. 
sound is critical, reduce sound as much as possible. And then the cool thing, temperature. Yeah. Your body requires a little cooler temperature than, than you thought. So cool down the room and see where is comfortable. And as we get older, those things matter. And the food thing is critical. Food is not what you think. It's not eating too close to sleep time. Because when you're young, you could, I, I was eating like big meals five minutes before sleep and I would be out. Now as you get older, your digestive system gets slower. Although it's not making noises, but the system is working and that keeps you up. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that he can introduce into his life and he'll see significant changes. I think for Joe, it's important for us to mention because he's a firefighter. So the, the regular lifestyle things that we just talked about don't really apply to him as much as, as it would for somebody who's not a firefighter. And for people who are firefighters or nurses, you know, who have night shift workers, they all have concerns about their sleep. And they're all really, really worried about the consequences of this disrupted sleep pattern to their brain health. And usually what we say, and this would be the message for Joe, is don't worry. Don't make it a lifelong thing. Try to try to see if you can have breaks in between these patterns of disrupted sleep. The brain is pretty forgiving. So if you've addressed the other factors in neuro, eating a really clean whole food plant-based diet, exercising, keeping your stress at bay, and then pushing your brain to just keep as active as possible and connect it to your purpose, don't worry about it. You're doing a great job and yeah. you're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, you do what you can, right. the best that you can. Exactly. Yes. Because yes. a lot of us, you know, we, we probably might not score as well in, in mm. one area or the other. But it's, it's about that comprehensive, multifaceted approach that makes the biggest difference rather than pigeonholing yourself into one aspect of it yeah. at, at yeah. times. So what I'd like to do now is I'd love to jump into your, your five-step plan, neuro. It's a brilliant acronym. So N stands for nutrition. There's a lot of clutter and noise about nutrition out there, as you know, Rip. Mm -hmm. And we promote a whole food, plant-based, no oil, low salt diet. The same kind of diet that is heart healthy is brain healthy as well. It's incredibly important for people to understand that the brain is the most active organ in the body. You know, we sleep, but our brain doesn't sleep. It continues to function 24-7. And at any point, it consumes 25% of our body's energy. It's only about two pounds, but it consumes 25% of our body's energy. Everything we eat and everything that we don't eat affects the brain. It either builds the brain or breaks the brain. And so it's incredibly important to supply it with the right kind of nutrition and building blocks. From all the studies that have been done, you know, all over the world for almost you know, eight decades, uh, whether it's the Mediterranean diet or the MIND diet or the DASH diet, and you just name the diets that have been studied over and over again. When you look at the components that are brain healthy, it's the plants. Come to one of our Engine 2 immersion programs. We have five and seven day programs in the Red Rock Mountains of Sedona, Arizona, or in the Black Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. You'll be there with my mom, my dad, my sister Jane, this all-star cast of plant strong experts, dietitians, nutritionists, physicians, trainers. It's and you'll be surrounded with like-minded people that are trying to reclaim their lost health that are there to discover 
a lost part of themselves. And we want to awaken that within you. And we do it with exercise. We do it with amazing world-class lectures. We do it with food that is just over-the-top delicious. You will find um, something that you never knew existed within yourself. And it's just been some of the most gratifying, rewarding work that I've done over the last 10 years. And I recommend each and every one of you come Give yourself this gift of health and uh, experience uh, an immersion with us. So if you're interested, come to engine2.com and just click on events. The other thing that the Shurzai's talk about, they have this acronym, it's called NEURO. The, the N is nutrition, the E is, um, is exercise, the U is unwind. So. What are you doing to kind of relax, meditate, you know, kind of cleanse yourself of the stress in your life? What are you doing when you're not at the firehouse? I'm usually at home taking care of my five-year-old after school. Yeah. My wife works or um, I'm drawing. I'm, I'm also an artist as well. So uh, nice. I, I do like chibi cartoon things and that was part of my addiction recovery. So, um, you know, that was kind of, I never took art classes. I never drew but mm -hmm. when I went for help I was just sitting doodling and somebody said oh you got a talent here and that's what I took as my hobby and uh, you know I've done some work for Marvel and Upper Deck doing trading cards within I, I did my first year of conventions I did three conventions and then I got an email from them hey you want to do trading cards and my friends were like it took me 10 years to get that gig <laughs> so, um, so I do that and that keeps me you know yeah. calms me down and stuff how, how often would you say that you do your, your, your drawing a day? Um, I, I'd say on and off for a few hours a day. If I'm at home, maybe a little bit longer. I've been practicing comic inking kind of stuff. So sometimes I'll just go in my room, take out a, you know, one of the practice drawings, and then I'll just ink, even if it's for five minutes. It'll just kind of clear my head for a couple of minutes, and then I can get back to whatever I was doing. Tell us about the best ways to unwind. Is it meditation? Is it... Unwind to us means increasing your stress, not reducing your stress. It, not, it doesn't mean that you don't re reduce stress, but the focus should be on increasing good stress. So at the center is identifying good stress and identifying bad stress. I mean, that's why in our, every room in our house, there's a whiteboard. Then the kids define what good and bad stress is for them that day, that week, that month. Good stress are things that are, are driven by their vision, by their mission, by their goals, by their passion, by their purpose, that there's a chance of success and it's pleasurable and all of that stuff. Bad stress is things that they have very little control over and they don't see the light at the end of the chunk tunnel and all that stuff. And it has to be specific. You write it down. And the goal is to increase the good stress and reduce the bad stress. Good stress actually builds brain and it's critical. It's the most protective factor for the brain. Bad stress, they both are, are processed by the same parts. The limbic system of the brain, which is the emotional brain, defines the stress with the frontal lobe says, oh, this stress over a while is just not feeling good. It's just, it sends messages continually to the hypothalamus, which then sends the messages to the pituitary and pituitary is the hormone immunological center of the universe. It's definition how you define your good and bad stress. And it's critical because every minute that you actually start accumulating the bad stress, it releases different kind of chemicals into your body, into your brain. 
Isn't it amazing how the body knows the difference? Yes. But I think also we intuitively kind of know when we're, we're stressed out and it's not, doesn't feel healthy. Yes. And when it's a stress that feels to good stress. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. There's always a joy associated with that good stress too. Yeah. And it's not, it's not continuous. You know, whenever you put yourself through a project, you're doing that right now. Yeah. You know, you're traveling all over the place. You're probably not getting enough sleep. You're thinking all the time. You're taking notes. I mean, that's good stress. But you know that it's connected to your purpose and you know that it's going to end up in this incredible gift. And that joy is what perpetually energizes you to push yourself harder and harder and harder. And that brain of yours, the cells are constantly making connections. So I that's feel, good stress. I can feel I'm connecting right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In fact, there is no other way to connect the brain cells. It's not little Sudoku or these little games on the spot. It's activities that are driven by your purpose and, are, and you're challenging your brain. In Under Unwind, what are some of the things that you guys do? I think we've both been in situations where the bad stress, you know, completely discombobulated us and we realized it fast and we let go of it. There's there's a lot of good stress in our life. And um, I think the research that we do, the, the community reach out, the... I mean, everything, I mean, even seeing our patients and keeping up with this high energy, fast paced life. All of this is connected to a goal, to a purpose. It, it sounds bombastic, but you know, we, we actually have a family meeting and we have a, a vision and a mission statement and our mission statement is to reduce suffering mm -hmm. in this world. And so when you have that as your mission in life, cut down the goals into small doable projects on a daily basis and see how much you can take. And that's why we have so many whiteboards because we put all the projects, put all the things that we need to do on a regular basis and we check them off. And the joy that we get from checking those off, I mean, that's like a dopamine release in your brain. Yes. Check, check, check. Yes, yes, do this, do that. And then having the kids do the same thing, you know, whether it's promoting health in children, talking about whole food plant-based diet in their book, or, you know, being concerned about the environment and seeing how what we do on a regular basis connects with everything else that is important in life. That's our, that's our cognitive activity and good stress. So what do we do? There are several steps. One is identify the good and bad stress in life as driven by your purpose, but in small, really measurable increments and follow that. Make sure that you can check them off. That's where the success component comes in. My steps are going to be different from another person's steps, but if you teach people to identify their steps, you've just created a path to mm -hmm. success. Creating a healthy body and brain, it's a process. It takes time, it takes dedication. It's not a sprint, it is a marathon. And right now, Joe, he's putting in the time, he's putting in the effort, he's looking at this like it's a marathon and he's starting to see results. How you been doing since I last saw you in, uh, in New York? I've been great. I, uh, I'm about six weeks in. I'm down about 22 pounds. I feel great. I mean, things have, things have been great. Obviously, Joe still has a ways to go, but he's getting there and he's got my support every step of the way on this marathon of his. And make no mistake about it, so do you. Together, we can all be plant strong and learn to neuro our brains for optimal brain health. I love the Shurzai's, I love their research, I love neuro, so we will definitely be covering more of the Shurzai's in future episodes.
I'm Rip Esselstyn, and I want to thank you for listening. My hope is that this podcast has inspired you to take control of your health through a plan strong lifestyle. I also want to thank my co-creator of the podcast, Scott Battisill with 10% Media, Lori Kordowich, my producer extraordinaire and Engine 2 director of events, Tina Knoll and Large Media for podcast production and creative direction, and Brandon Curtis for never minding living in the barrel and everything in between. Thanks for Whole Foods Market for giving me a platform for the last decade. Special thanks to Joe Inga for your courage to take control and change your life and for allowing us to share your story along the way. And lastly, I want to thank my father and mother, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn and all the Plant Strong pioneers who have been pushing this boulder uphill for more than three decades. As they say, we're standing on the shoulder of giants. If you're digging the podcast, I want you to rate us. I want you to review the show, and I want you to spread this message with friends and family. Um, we want to get this message out to as many people as possible. Join us on all of our social channels, either on Engine 2 or Rip Esselstyn, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or, or Twitter. Until next time, peace, Engine 2, and keep it plant strong.